HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by New York Mutual Trading. Hey there, HRN listeners. This is Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears. I know that news about COVID-19 and the coronavirus has made a lot of people nervous about getting sick. This collective unease has already had a big impact on our restaurant and food communities, especially in New York's Chinatowns. We hope that now more than ever, our listeners will join us in supporting restaurants and the hospitality industry at large. Many of the restaurants we love are small, independent businesses. That means that even one or two bad weeks can put them in jeopardy of cutting staff, limiting hours, or even having to close for good. As long as we're still able, we should go out to eat and support our favorite restaurants. I think it's also great to remember that hospitality professionals are really good at hygiene and food safety practices. Long before there were guides all over the news about how to properly wash your hands, they were already experts at hygiene. Guests' health is tantamount to successful hospitality in any restaurant. And even if you don't want to go out, you can still support restaurants by ordering delivery, buying gift cards, and giving them some extra love on social media. What better way to handle a crisis than by supporting those in our own community? If we don't support them now, they might not be there when this crisis is over. Join HRN in supporting restaurants during this time, especially our friends in Chinatowns around the country. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief, with your hosts, Zara Tangora and Bobby Comforto. Hey, Mom. Hey, Saz. thought I'd take this opportunity to just remind our listeners about who we are. Um, so we do this show about food and grief, and because I am a chef, and you are a bereavement and trauma therapist. Right. So that is kind of where we intersect at Food and Grief. Um, I also lost my dad a couple years ago and have got, had some really dramatic ups and downs in my 20s and 30s and uh literal ups and downs literal ups and downs um as you're gonna hear about on today's episode with a very special guest but just as a a reminder of you know that is why we've started this show we've combined our interests and professions together to bring you this show about food and grief um so on today's episode we speak with a very old friend of mine someone who i was with when Basically, I, I even how to describe this, uh, I was in a very bad accident, which was the catalyst for me being able to open a restaurant, which is the catalyst for, you know what I mean? The reason why I'm in, yes. involved in food, obviously I had not been involved in food prior to opening my restaurant. Um, and then through that, it's how you turned the crisis into an opportunity. Right. But so really everything that I do now in my life came from, in, in a way, I feel like it was one of those forks in the road where my life 
began again very significant significantly pivotal moments a very pivotal moment yeah so today on the show we have a good friend of mine his name is jeffrey haynes you might know him as mr liff he is a very 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 well-known underground rapper he is now currently working and touring with thievery corporation and uh, is very involved in real estate which is amazing he talks a little bit about that uh at the end of the episode but Jeff is a wonderful person and a wonderful friend and just like a deep, kind, genuine soul who I really love almost more than anyone else that I know in the world. Just a very deep love for that person. When you go through something like that, a near-death experience with someone, it definitely binds you forever. So Thank God you're both here. I know. So we had a great talk with Jeff. Um, He joined us by phone. He's in Rhode Island. Um, But... We loved it. I, I, I loved it. It was a great talk. So please enjoy your chat with Jeff. Jeffrey Haynes, we are here with Jeffrey Haynes on Processing, otherwise known as Mr. Liff, otherwise known as one of my oldest and really dearest friends, even though we don't get to see each other very often anymore. I feel like, Jeff, you and I have one of those friendships that is enduring, wouldn't you say? It it is enduring. You know, we've been, you know, ships in the night for a while. But, I mean, you know, life life goes that way, and I I do find with, you know, some of the people I, I that I would speak the uh, most highly of that it just goes like this, you know. Sometimes, you know, life uh, life takes you on different paths, and I mean, you've accomplished all these amazing things that I, I mean, I still need to just catch up on, you know. On I mean, so much. I mean, just from Brucey on, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I mean, same for you. You're one of I mean, everyone that I know knows you. Are, you're a very famous ra- rapper. You're an incredible. <laughs> you are do the rap music that the kids seem to be. <laughs> Hippin' and happen to is that an accurate well, representation? I, I I must I must temper the the very famous thing you know a little underground fame you know I've been independent my whole career you know and uh, it's been a beautiful ride from being a soloist to being a part of the perceptionist with my buddy Acrobatic to you know touring around the world with Thievery Corporation for the last uh, nine and a half ten years. Uh, it's you know it's been good to me, uh, and I really can't complain. And it's it's actually surreal sometimes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's just so many. I I'm just like in the midst of so many like epiphanies and revelations right now. It's really you're catching me at a good time for a conversation. I'm so glad, but this is gonna be disappointing to everyone. I thought you were Eminem. <laughs> so. Oh no! You know no no. No, I didn't just see you at the Academy Awards a couple of weeks ago. N- no, bizarrely, never for no been. Never, never gone platinum or gold. Sorry, sorry about that. Not blonde either. Not blonde. Oh well, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, that's coming. That's never got some gray, never. gray hairs creeping in. Gray hairs are creeping in. So Jeff, you grew up yes. in Boston, Massachusetts during like let's say the 1880s. I'm sorry, the, the 19. 19- it was actually the 1780s. <laughs> it was an interesting time. I had the fr- I had the first what they called cell phone oh. at that time yes, yes, <laughs> yes that was me it was yep. just like two birds and a rock um, it was a two birds yes yo, you've used it yes it was two birds and a rock so what was it like tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up at that time like where it, it, you grew up right outside of boston right 
Well, no, actually, Brighton is a part of Boston, but it's just a part of Boston that has little to no notoriety compared to, say, Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan, or Boston proper, you know. So, so, you know, but, yeah, it's just like this kind of, like, relatively sleepy residential area where there's, like, you know, uh, Boston College grad students or, like, post, sorry, post-grads, you know, probably, like, doing way too much work to try to get degrees and what you know whatever it is um you know and just yeah it was just a it was a really chill place for me you know what i mean like uh my first like real memories of being there are you know living on this living in this big apartment building uh you know and just yeah the people upstairs for us were just very colorful people like i can't even remember how many kids were upstairs but just like you know you could just hear them run they were bad kids so they'd be running around every night their parents would be chasing them down and <laughs> you'd hear you know yeah, yeah you yeah. know for back sure. in back in those yeah back in those days you know like spanking your child was not as taboo as it is now so you, you know you'd hear right. you'd hear some ruckus up there you know and um totally. but no it was it was it was great though it was, you know boston's a great place uh was a great place for me growing up were um, your parents you know, from boston no my parents are both from barbados actually ah. so you when, know when did they come over here that's a good i think that they came over i want to say four years before i was born but although my mom actually came over way before my dad did i just can't remember how many years she was over but she originally actually uh uh, landed in pittsburgh oh wow uh, you know Uh, yeah and then ended up you know i don't even know how she ended up in boston i don't know why people from warm weather places move to cold places like boston (laughs) yeah that's a very good question (laughs) Yeah, I've been trying to, like, why does New York, why do New York and, you know, Boston and, like, Toronto have such large, like, uh, West Indian, uh, you know, uh, populations, people from the Caribbean? I don't know. Yeah, it's Um, very interesting. interesting. I have a West Indian friend who's from Grenada, and I should actually ask him that same question. I don't know. Maybe it's just an easy place to come to. to I think it's like. To immigrate to. Yeah, I think it's also probably misinformation. Like someone just like lied collectively to everyone about the weather and just yeah. was like, you know, come up here, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it's just yeah, yeah it's br- brutally cold in the winter. But hey, they, 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 you yeah. know, my parents, my parents managed and to add insult to injury. I played ice hockey when I was super young. <laughs> so I had my two Barbadian parents at the ice rink and one of the ice rinks was outdoors. So we'd be in Brookline at Lars Anderson ice rink at like 6 a.m freezing cold my two barbadian parents just like <laughs> freezing to death They're like it's fine it's not so cold if you stand in the sun <laughs> oh yeah they were hurting but they, hey you know that's a testament to how much they love me i i got much love for my parents that's amazing so you know we were kind of chatting a little bit before i wanted to know more about like your food history and what it was kind of like growing up in your house and you had mm-hmm. mentioned to me some of your strongest food memories are from saturday mornings saturday oh. morning breakfast can you tell us a little bit about that haynes family saturday mornings when i was growing up were legendary there was at the time, it was still called WWF. There was WWF wrestling on the screen, <laughs> and best believe, after me and my mom and dad watched it, we would we would literally have brawls. Like li- like we would practice out moves. You know what I'm saying? My dad my dad was always the bad guy, and he was like not not like a famous bad guy. He'd always be like someone that was like a total bum that was only put in the ring to get beat up, but was kind of okay. Like like a guy like Johnny Rots, like wrestling legend Johnny Rots, who like never really accomplished. It. That's who my dad's idol was. So. It'd be me versus him. My mom would be the ref. You know what I mean? And she always had to intervene because my dad just used his size advantage, you know? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I love <laughs> but, the image I mean, of your mom wrestling. 
with you oh, and oh, your yeah, dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, she had to she had to jump in there. You know, she had a limited uh, skill set as far as her moves that she could perform, but she was an effective referee. You know, I, I didn't yeah. I didn't lose a lot of you know my dad lost a lot of matches because of disqualification. That's amazing. And that, that yeah, that kept my record looking pretty good. That's, you know, that's you know, a tight knit family. You know, it's really yeah, yeah. It, it paints a good picture though of like what your family was like and what kind of stuff would you have for breakfast? Oh my gosh! So my mom would be cooking. You know, uh, you know, sc- scrambled eggs. You know, at the time, you know, she was she was using cheese whizzes back when, you know, we didn't know, you know, right. not the be- not the best thing to consume, uh, <laughs> you know, but there'd be eggs with cheese whiz and like and sizzling. And I just Wait, remember like, you know, having sizzling? some egg- what's sizzling? sizzling, man, it's 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 bacon that is without fat. Oh, so, yeah. So it's so, just ham. <laughs> essentially, essentially, but in like a baconized form. Yeah. So oh, weird. We, we would eat. Yeah, so we would eat that and, you know, and yeah, and have some waffles or every, every now and then she'd make French toast. But the French toast was really nowhere on the radar. It was waffles, <laughs> her scrambled eggs, the scrambled eggs with a highlight and some sizzling. And just I just remember the smell in the house. I remember like wrestling being on, Kung Fu Theater being on, Creature Double Feature, which was like that's where I first saw like Godzilla versus Rodan. Um, you know, what I mean, like like just those ill monster battles like Godzilla versus King Kong. Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. Those um, are great films. And then, yeah, amazing. And then you know, and then like my dad would like at some point in all this would slip out the door, go to like the 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 nearest record shop, and come back with like a bag full of vinyl. So he'd he'd have like a mix of like forty five records, uh, you know, forty fives and full length albums, and he would just start DJing. He just he would just play That's all the hits, so you know. Awesome. So. It was That's amazing. Crazy. Like, what a wonderful memory. Yeah, that is. I mean, yeah. really, you're painting such a picture of such a special. It's it's like very cinematic, actually, the way you're talking about it. Like, and it's really an interesting relationship between, uh, I think, uh, parents that stay together and an only child. You know, and it can go all right. these different ways. Like, I know a lot of people who have parents that stayed together and they were only children. And they were everyone was kind of isolated, but right, you lonely, guys, and quiet. Yeah, right? but you guys would seem like you really got into Raucous it. And <laughs> yeah, that's we fun. got into Exciting. it. We, we yeah, you know, and and I really feel blessed to have had those experiences, you know, because you know, unfortunately, later on in the story, my parents did split up, mm. but 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 I just think that my dad was like born to be a dad. You know Aww. what I mean? Like he was all he was like fully signed up for this, you know, and um. And he was just so into it. My mom as well. And, and, and yeah, it was just really a remarkable adventure. I mean, you know, even when I, you know, got older, my dad, my dad was at, okay. So I was a year round athlete. I played, uh, soccer, then switched to football. I played ice hockey in the winter. And then in the spring I played lacrosse. I was a lacrosse goalie. Oh, Hey, me too. I played lacrosse too. Okay. You know, it's a great sport. It really is. Great sport. Yeah, it sure is. You know? Yep, I don't know if it'll ever make it big, but it's it's really a great sport to yeah. be a part of, you know. <laughs> it will um, not it probably won't make it big. Yeah. You yeah. Know. But, but you who know, knows? my dad Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But my dad probably only missed 3 of my games Aww. in like my whole career of being an athlete, you That's know, so, so sweet. very dedicated. That's when awesome. did you start playing music? Music came into my life. I mean, well, first of all, it was in my life as a kid, right? But right. I was just a fan. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think, oh, I can't remember what, he, I want to say it was like 84 or 85. My mom gave me, it's like the only Easter gift 
I've ever gotten. My mom gave me a boombox and the Run DMC self-titled album in uh. like 1985. Wow. And my mind was blown. Wow. Um, that was like, you know, I had been listening to hip hop before that, but I think having that just took everything to a whole other level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, having that, having that cassette, and like actually having my own sound system. You know, and I think <laughs> from there, I think from there, um, it, you know, it it just it just kept on growing, and I was just such a huge fan of hip hop for so long, and then. I think that when I went to college, I, I went to college thinking I was going to be pre-med, thinking I was going to be a surgeon or something. Wow. And then, it, and it, yeah, I totally thought I was going to. Then I quickly realized that I couldn't process information early in the morning. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> 8 a.m. 8 a.m. biology class was like a complete flat line for me. So I was like, I probably can't be a doctor. And that was when I, so this is like, we're talking like 93 now. This is when I was just like, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life now that this whole thing about me getting into the medical field is not going to happen? And that's when I opened myself up to the possibility of letting my love for music just really overflow. Wow. And um, and I just started to, you know, hang out with my only other two friends on the Colgate University campus that cared about hip hop enough to actually rhyme. So I would just hang out with my boys and rhyme and um and it was just, yeah, we, we you know, out of that, we, we you know, it, it carved a, yeah. I don't know, a 24, 25-year career in music out of, out, of, out of that adventure. It's really incredible. And then, you know, to kind of move it to the point when you and I met, I was a huge fan of yours when I was in high school, as was everybody I knew, all my friends. You know, we loved the whole underground hip-hop scene. We were all really into it. And the whole Def Jokes thing was kind of just coming together at that time. It was like a really great time for underground yeah. hip hop at that moment. So we're talking the year like 2000. I mean, really from like yeah. 1999 on. Yep. It was really like popping off. And uh, I, met, I met you at a show in Long Island called at this like little record store. I don't even know if it's still there actually called the Cop Shop. And oh my God, we met at the Cop Shop. We met at right. the Cop Shop, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were doing a show with Aesop, who is from my hometown and was definitely a hometown yep. hero, Aesop Rock. Um, yep. Great guy. And mm-hmm. we met and we just like, became good buds ever yep, since we certainly did like yep. just real good buds and you would come visit uh-huh. whenever you were in new york doing a show yep. and i would come to wherever you were usually the bowery ballroom i was just talking to someone last night we were at a music hall of williamsburg have you played a show there yet uh the music wait wait there's a music hall in williamsburg it's called music hall of williamsburg but uh I it, haven't played there it's yet the no. same it's the same people that own bowery ballroom and so the sound okay. is just as tight as it is at Bowery and we were talking about old times and I was like yeah I used to I remember those old times and hanging out backstage at that like little cruddy backstage area at Bowery and watching your shows and it was just like such a great time in life and we just had fun and we were really good 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 friends and to the point where you asked me to come on tour with you yes um, absolutely yeah sell merchandise and just basically pal around the country mm-hmm. and world uh, we were supposed to go around the world right wasn't it an international it, it, tour? yeah it was supposed to well that tour was national but that was you know that was after years of hard work that was my first tour bus tour where it was like the like mr lift tour it was technically mr lift and the coup yeah you know um you know so we had east coast and west coast but it was like i had finally you know paid enough dues to to have a tour, you know, have my own tour bus, right. um, albeit in conjunction with the coup, but 
um, you know, it was supposed to be the start of some of some big things, yeah. you know, and uh, and I was definitely, you know, very happy to to have you on board. And, and I, I knew it would mean that we could we could get to hang out and and we could and also would put some money in your pocket. We would be out on the road making money together. It just yeah. seemed like a great idea, you know. Yeah. I, and at this time. I was 21, and how mm-hmm. old were you? You were probably like in your late 20s or early 30s. I'd say, yeah, I had to be. I, I can't remember what our age discrepancy I'm is. I'm 36 but... now, and you're 45. Right, right, exactly. So you were like yep. 29 at this time. I was 21. And yep. Bobby, mm-hmm. let's bring you into the story because you know you're a huge part of what we're about to talk about. Well, yeah. What were you doing at this time, Bobby? In the year 2005. I was, when you went on tour, I was probably 2005. I was working at a World Trade Center program. Mm-hmm. It was right after 9-11. Right. And, because what year was it you were talking about? Two, this was 2005. I, right. I think this is 06, though. Oh, right. It was Zara, when, we, right, when it we were was on the 06. tour bus tour. It was. Yeah, because right. Momega was out, and I was touring, touring the Momega right. album. Right, you're right, you're right. So yep. I was still working in a World Trade Center program. I had a private practice, and at the time that you flew out to go to California, I went to Florida to visit my mom for her 80th birthday. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. So that brings mm-hmm. us to... Right. And so we're yeah. on, the, I fly to San Francisco. Now, I want to share a funny story that is somewhat food related about the beginning of this whole horror show of an ordeal that happened, which actually led to great things for everyone. But the beginning, yeah. let's start at the beginning. So I, <laughs> I'm 21. I'm definitely in my like doing drugs and drinking phase of my life. And so a friend mm-hmm. gives me, and I was terrified of, fr- of flying. So a friend gives me a couple of Xanax and I take them on the plane <laughs> going out to meet you in San Francisco from New York. And I drank like three Bloody Marys and passed out in the middle of the plane, like the plane seat. I was sitting in between two people wearing my big coat. And then all I remember is waking up in the middle and like walking around and being like, Bloody Mary. And I was a bloody, (laughs) bloody Mary monster just roaming around the plane. And I was told to get back to my seat. And uh, then I left my license on the plane. And I remember that there was a big deal on the tour, me trying to get my license, because I think we had to go to Canada at some point, but I ended up never needing it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And so I met you yeah. in San Fran. And Sounds like a strong start to the touring It was a great <laughs> start. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say I jinxed us. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> right right oh my god it wasn't your no fault. no no you didn't jinx you no it no you, you didn't jinx. it was somebody else's and, fault but it wasn't your fault so we w- i met you in in san fran um one thing that i always remember jeff i don't know if you remember this but when we were in san francisco i had never been before and i remember we like i walked around by myself for a while and then me and you got fried seafood together and clam chowder do you remember that <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know it's somewhere in the memory banks. I need to hear you keep talking about it though, about about the fried. Se- it's just like it's just like listening to a different life because I don't eat, I don't eat you know fried foods right. often at all anymore. You know well, I don't but, remember what you ate. You might have had a piece of broiled scrod. Who's yeah, I probably had the broiled scrod. Yes, I did. Um, I'll have the fried scallops and the clam chowder. For, my friend will have the scrod. Thanks. <laughs> the word scrod just cracks me up. It just sounds scrod. Scrod. Scrod is. Yep silly um so yep. anyway we were there there we were you were chowing down on packing your face full of scrod <laughs> raw scrod big scrod grilled scrod all types of scrod scrod yeah. milkshake but i was <laughs> i i remember that it was the i got i remember so vividly what i ordered i had fried scallops and i had clam chowder in a bread bowl which is great because you can eat the bowl 
and any yeah oh yes no yep. waste um but it was fun and i just remember <laughs> we just had fun i felt you know i was 21 and i i felt like an adult and i remember feeling really proud of you and mm. uh we hung out with like asap and a bunch of yeah. other people that night when we were in san francisco and i just like i just felt like it was just so fun. I was like, I yeah. remember even thinking then for my own part of it, I was like, I feel lucky to have this cool experience in my life. I'm a young kiddo. I'm out. My friend, he's like a really popular touring musician. And I just feel lucky to be having this experience. And I was so full of joy. Um, I don't know. How did you That's feel beautiful. going? Into yeah. It? I mean, for me, I, I, I was riding that wave too. You know what I mean? Cause I, I can definitely say that, you know, being a touring musician, there are times where you, you know, you do succumb to the grind of it, right? Where you're just like, ah, oh, I've been in this, you know, van for however many hours. And, you know, you get bummed out, you know, you do a bunch of consecutive dates. But I feel like I've been able to keep a pretty good pers- uh, perspective of just really appreciating it, you know, because it, it could have not happened. You know what yeah. I mean? I could have I could have just been doing, you know, office work for the last, you know, 20 something years or something like that, you know, that that or just doing any type of work that didn't fulfill me as much. So I'm super thankful. And I was definitely riding that wave of like, you know, being happy that you were there, um, you know, because I mean, that's actually one of my love languages is like being able to like you know, build wealth with friends and include yeah. friends in my, like in my ventures that are, totally. you know, you know, helping us accumulate some money. So, um, it, yeah, it's just a great time. And, yeah. and, a lot, and, a t- and you and I always had a ton of fun. I mean, always we did. Yeah. And then, so we went down to LA after that, which is like fuzzy for me. I don't remember LA as much. And then like the last day was in San Diego. And I remember we piled mm-hmm. around in San Diego and it was a beautiful day. And I remember it was so fun and we had such a good time. And then, we played a show at the House of Blues. Uh, we yeah. you played a show at the House of Blues and yeah, uh, terrible terrible experience there. They treated us really poorly. Yeah, I remember the experience at the House of Blues was really bad. Um, again, we were on tour with the Coup, who is fronted by Boots Riley, who some of you may know from the amazing movie he made put out last year or two years ago called Sorry to Bother You, which was mm-hmm. incredible. Um, mm-hmm. he's gone on to do some incredible stuff, but do you want to tell our listeners go on from there? What happened like in the rest of the night? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I remember walking down like the Marina with you in San Diego and us both being like, Hey, why is the, why is the bus driver still in the bus? Mm. You know, like yeah. he was awake and we were not used to seeing him awake during the day. Cause typically on tour, on a, on a tour, you know, the drivers drive through the night and then they, you know, you reach the destination and then they go to the hotel room and they get some rest. Right. And I, and I found it very, very odd that the driver was not sleeping during the day. Yeah. And, you know, we had this show at House of Blues in, in San Diego. They treated us like absolute crap. I was really, you know, I was pissed off, you know, part of my language. No, and it's I okay. just re- you can curse. You can even say okay. scrod. You can say fuck. It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was fucking pissed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like I, we got treated like shit that day. Yeah. And like, and you know, and I just remember, you know, the our next show was like in Arizona. It was like Scottsdale or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're in San Diego. We only got a six-hour drive, which is nothing in the course of a tour bus tour. Yeah. You know, um, and and, and I just remember this hurried pace about leaving. 
and, and, and me just being like, why are we in a rush to leave? Like, this isn't even a long drive. Um, and on top of that, I didn't see, did, did, you know, I just remember being like, did the bus driver even rest, you know? And, um, yeah. And, and, and I just remember, you know, kind of, I, I, you know, one of our fellow musicians joining forces with the tour manager to tell me that, you know, the bus driver is a professional. And if he says he's ready to go and he can do it, he can do it. Um, and just, you know, just kind of getting outnumbered on that. Yeah. And, and, and talked down out of my common sensibilities. And, uh, yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, there's a bunch of, for, you know, un, very unfortunate and also fortunate events that followed that, which were, you know, I was so pissed off after that show. My my inclination was to go into my bunk and go to sleep. Uh, or just like just read, you know, go, go into my bunk, cl- close my curtain. I think I had some book that I was reading, and I just was, I just wanted to block the world out because I was so upset. Yeah. And, but, you know, and and this would turn out to be a saving grace at least for me. But the the clips had dropped an album called Hell Half No Fury uh, that night or that day. Yeah. Uh, and 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 also the game uh, had dropped his debut album. And, right. Right. You know, right. W- yeah, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't up on the game, but I definitely the Cliff's loved record the cl- was absolute fire well, though. When we were listening, yeah, we were obsessed with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cuz cuz the first album was crazy. The I think it was the Lord Willen album was crazy and then mm-hmm. I was waiting for Hell Hath No Fury. So, you know, instead of like just staying in my bunk and like, you know, sulking, I decided to go to the back lounge where there were like maybe 3 or 4 uh members of our, you know, t- travel party. And they were bumping the albums, you know, and I just remember I sat there. I listened to everything. I listened to the whole game album. I listened to all of Hell Half No Fury. And, you know, it was only when the other people back there fell asleep in the back lounge. That was when I came to the front lounge to see what y'all were doing. We were and watching Anchorman. Ca- yeah, you guys were watching Anchorman. Because we Anchorman. had just left San like- Diego and I had bought freaking Anchorman at Tower Records. This really dates the whole situation. For ten, right. like in ten dollars a DVD, and they're like ten dollar DVD bin, and we had to happen to be watching it because we left San Diego. Otherwise, we would have been asleep too. Exactly, and you know, I remember coming out there and just being like, "Okay, well, you know, this looks like fun. I, I guess I'll hang out for a little while." And man, I will never forget. Um, you know, I remember, you know, you 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 know, you asked me to pass you a beer out of the fridge, and um, man, you know, I handed you the brew and. You know, might might have had time to maybe get one other chuckle out out of the movie, and then I just felt the bus jerk. Um, you know, like uh, it just some. I you know I thought to myself quickly like, oh, we must be swerving to get around something. And then, you know, next thing I know, you know, it's pitch there's there's just impact. You know, and blackness. You know, the lights are out, and you know I don't even know that I remember the scree- like people screaming. Yeah, I, I, just, I don't I remember re- that either. Yeah, I just remember, like, slow motion. Like, I, I think I went into a state of, like, hyper-focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, of just, I don't, you know, it was just, it was survival instincts definitely kicking in. But just trying to find a way to, I think, not get flung around too much. Yeah. Uh, I remember the big old school TV popped out of the console and bounced off my leg. I thought I broke my leg, you right. know, because I, I could, like, feel the bones bend. And I just assumed that my leg was at least fractured. Right. And um, yeah, I just remember, you know, the bus finally coming to a halt and, it you crash? know, 
Yeah, we crashed. Uh, the driver, you know, I guess it came to our knowledge later that the driver fell asleep at the oh, wheel. Because yeah. he, he, he did not sleep an adequate amount. Yeah, you were correct. And it went off of what well, we should tell everyone. It went off a 40-foot cliff in the middle yeah. of the desert. Yeah, basically. And, and thank God. And the toughest thing for me in trying to get over that was I heard that there was like a 100-foot drop on either side of the part we tumbled Ugh. down. Uh, and that was psychologically was probably the toughest thing for me to bounce back from for a while. Yeah. Um, I didn't uh, know that. But yeah. Yeah. We could very easily not be here. But, uh, yeah. you know, just I just remember, you know, the bus finally coming to a halt. And just I just remember standing on top of a pile of rubble. Like, basically, you know, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know how I kind of ended up on top of a bunch of things that had been thrown around. And then literally when the bus came out to a halt, my glasses fell off right in front of me. Oh, like, crazy. <laughs> um, which which for me was crucial, right? Because my eyesight's not that good. So if my glasses had flown off right when this all started, I probably would have gotten like beat up much right. more badly by things that were flying around. Totally. You know, um, you know, so and I don't think that I could have been as useful to anyone after the crash if I couldn't see. Right. You and know? you were so useful to people. I mean, you saved me like you. I remember you pulling me out, basically. Well, I, you know, Zara, I don't remember. I don't remember that part. But what I remember is the injury to your hand. Yeah. And, you know, us developing the idea that I should use one of my socks as a tourniquet. Yeah, you did um, use your sock as a tourniquet. Yeah. And, and I also remember... You know, Big Wiz, uh, you know, my DJ at the time, he, he was also Aesop Rock's DJ. I just remember, you know, him being in a really compromising position and me not being able to help him. Yeah, he was uh, really, yeah, he was really stuck. Yeah. He did break yeah. his leg. He broke, I think, yeah, he shattered his kneecap. He he, he, he cut his, his head down to the bone. Yeah. Uh, I think he broke his nose. I, and, and I just, you know, Wiz is a big guy. And, you know, I think that with the combination of, I mean, really, I was overwhelmed. There was a point where I was overwhelmed with fear because th there was a, a fire that broke out underneath the sleep area in the bus. And thank God no one was asleep in there. Yeah, we would have been uh, stuck in there, first of all, because the doors wouldn't open because those nope. doors only open at the buses on. So picture the fate of there being a hundred foot drop on either side. Nobody yep. being asleep in their bunks at three in the morning or whenever this happened. Everyone was yep. not in the bunk. Not one person of all those people who are on the bus. What was it? 13 people. Yep, people. something like that. Everybody lived. Everybody got out, even Wiz. And what, I'm not sure if you know this or remember it, but Wiz, who is a very big guy, was actually stuck on top of me when oh we crashed. Oh, my God, I don't remember. And oh, I, my like, God, wait, no, now I remember yeah. this. And I believe that you Th helped me get out from under him. And then I just remember seeing fire and being like, I don't want to. I My most distinct memory of that is like, I don't want to feel myself blow up. Like, I don't yep. want to, like, see this blow up and then experience the moment of those couple seconds when you know you're going to die and then feel myself on fire. Like I just yep. so didn't want to feel that it was so distinct. And my instinct from then was just like, get the fuck out of here. Like we yep. must get out of here. It was such a survival instinct. I, you know, you don't even know you're hurt. You don't know your hand is bleeding. You don't know, you know, right. Like you just have yeah. this killer instinct to get out. And then we did yep. get out and we got up, we walked up this hill. And I remember also during that point being really concerned about rattlesnakes. I was like, I really just don't want like a rattlesnake to bite me because we were like in the desert and I'm like walking right. on these rocks. My toe ended up actually being sliced off as well. Got sewn back wow. on. But then 
randomly some woman was driving by we got in her car you were with me you're like helping my hand and she drives us to this podunk little hospital in the middle of nowhere and that's when and that's when oh yeah bobby enter the story and then jeff calls bobby so just my little part of the story is i was in florida visiting my mom i'm in her apartment seven o'clock in the morning the phone rings and it's you jeff and you say there's been a terrible accident zara was hurt and then you the phone went you, you the phone went dead Oh, no. Are you serious? That's all I heard. Yeah. So we were about to take my mom for a birthday breakfast at this restaurant on the ocean down the road. So I didn't want to tell her that there was an emergency. I just figured I'll hold it in. And um, so we went to the restaurant and we're walking down these marble steps. And my mother drops on the floor and cracks her head. Oh, and there's blood all over the floor. And at the same time, the phone rang again. And that oh. was when I heard that Zara had had a very, very serious injury to her hand. It was called a degloving, where the, oh God, you no. know, all the skin comes off the hand. And yep. it was at the same moment my mother's lying on the floor bleeding. And talk oh. about cursing. I ran into the street and just yelled fuck at the yep. top of my lungs. I didn't know what to do. So... Yeah. yeah. Pick it up, Sarah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I've told this story a lot before, Jeff, and I know that you have too. I've read a lot of interviews that you've given talking about it, and I've talked about it a lot. And But you know, talking about it with you and Bobby is a whole different experience. Yeah, it really is, because it's like, it's so interesting. I think when you tell other people, it becomes almost like you're reciting a movie you saw, but then you really talk about it with someone who lived through it, and like all, mm-hmm. all three of us have had our different experience with you know, grief afterwards. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just really different and it's healing in a way. And you remember things you didn't remember before. And I, you know, this show is about the intersection of food and grief. And I'm going to tie that in the food element a little bit later. Um, But, uh, you know, it is grief. It is grief when something like this happens, even when nobody dies, right? It's trauma. Because trauma, yeah, exactly. It's intense trauma. But there's Mm -hmm. so much loss there, right? Because you know, yeah. you're on the precipice of this incredible moment in your career where it's all just really ramping up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, a young woman, like just excited to kind of start my life. And, you know, it ended up being the, oddly enough, one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life and led me into my own career in food. Crisis is right. both danger and opportunity. Right. But right in yeah. the immediate, man, I mean, yeah. you literally just see everything burn away. All yeah. of your dreams, yep. particularly you, you know, like this was your thing. Mm-hmm. This was your tour. This was your moment. It was a very yeah. big moment. And I'm just like wondering for you, like post accident, where is your head at? Like, where are you grateful to be alive are you devastated because of what happened with the tour? Like all of the above, like what is your feeling? All, all of the above. I mean, um, I, you know, the level of concern uh, for everyone involved, um, you know, just feeling, obviously just feeling terrible because it was, it was, it was was my tour, you know? Um, Did you feel uh, responsible? Like it was your fault? I mean, I don't feel that way, but it, I'm just curious it, if you felt that way. You know, if anything, my lesson, my indelible lesson walking out of that was listen to your gut. Because I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong. And I let people talk me out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, uh, I remember if, that. If I had it my way, we would have never gotten on that bus that night. Yeah. Um, it turns out, by the way, that the, the driver wanted to uh, do the drive at that time because. I think he lived in Scottsdale or wherever the next town was and just wanted to get home, you know? Uh, and, uh, so, so, and, uh, 
And I also heard that he had been binging uh, on drugs and 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 um, and prostitutes the, the, the night before, which is why wow. he couldn't sleep during the day. So, yeah. you know, uh, insane. But yeah, for me, um, and I do want to talk with you, Zara, too, about what the toughest part of your recovery was. I think for me was all the feelings of, I mean, it was a smorgasbord of like guilt, just being like, oh my God, like, not even guilt, just just remorse, just like, wait a minute, like, this was my tour, oh. I was trying to take care of my people, and this thing just literally went up in flames, so there's like guilt, remorse, embarrassment, you know, physical pain, um, you know, and, and also just, it took a while for me to really firmly believe in the fact that I was still alive, like, I literally yeah. just thought, I was just like, okay, like, is, am I just living this thing that I've seen in movies where mm-hmm. I'm now just like, st- I'm dead, but I'm still connected to my prior life. And I'm just like hovering around as a ghost or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, you that know, too. And, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then I, like I mentioned earlier, the toughest thing psychologically to get over were, were the what ifs, you know, what if we had gone off, uh, you know, a, 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 a deeper drop, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, uh, you know, it just it just it just took a, a whole wow. lot, and then, and then you know, I, yeah, and I think shortly after that, what the 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 bottom dropped out of the economy in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like it was just this kind of like it went from me. It went from all right, like you paid all these dues, you've been putting records out since what, like I think it was like ninety seven, you know, and, and you, you you know you've done all these shows, and now you're finally you know you're getting to this place. You know, and then it was just like, no, no, you're not. Yeah. Like, actually, you're in this position that you don't even know if you're going to bounce back from. Yeah. And now the world around you, not too long after, you know, not too long after, is just kind of seem, seems to be crumbling, too. So it's just a really difficult yeah. time for me that, that you know, I, I kind of ended up being a bit of a wanderer after that, to be honest. I, I mean, I just remember like living in different areas. I was out in Seattle for a while. I was out in the Bay for a while. Oh, right. Like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of re- re- recording with different people with no real direction in my life. And it was just weird, man. It just, it just, it just, it really took me on a very interesting path, you yeah. know? You lost a lot of your, your belongings, right? In, in the crash. Yeah, but you know, I don't even remember. I don't yeah. even remember what I lost. I remember probably at the time I was like, oh, no, my merch that I spent money on and like whatever else. But, you know, I'm just not a big material belongings uh-huh. person. Right. Um, right. I think it was just uh, it was just it was shock of uh, uh, of being in that situation and just all the hard lessons that had to come with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not listening to my gut, not, uh, you know, j- yeah, just, there, there were just so many points where I was like, Oh, if I had just done this a little differently or this, that or yeah. stood up for myself, totally regret, uh, just, total regret yeah. and over things you have no control of. I remember losing, obviously I lost all my clothes too, which who cares? But, uh, I remember that mm-hmm. I just want to give a shout out to LP who owned Def Jokes at the time. <laughs> I remember one day I was at Bobby's house recovering and like boxes and boxes of Def Jokes, uh, clothes arrived. I was wearing like a cannibal ox sweatsuit for like <laughs> three months straight. <laughs> nice, nice. That yeah. No, Ella's good people's. You know, that's another that person. Kind. I'm just I'm th- thankful to have in my life, and yeah. he's blessed me in so many ways, and yeah. he still continues to just just great people. Yeah, man. Jeffrey, I have a memory of chocolate. I, I think it was M and M's because whenever mm-hmm. I'm whenever I'm really 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 stressed, I have to eat M and M's. It's just something that ah. I've always had. So what happened to me is I flew from Florida. I left my mom in a hospital and I flew from Florida because I heard that Zara was being raced to a major hospital in San Francisco to have surgery. 
So mm-hmm. I remember going through Houston. I never thought I'd be in Houston, Texas. It was the right. George, it was George Bush, Bush Airport, Airport of all fucking right, places. Yeah. And I remember oh buying <laughs> several, several bags of M&M's. And then I mm-hmm. remember coming to the hospital. I, it was part of um, University of California, yeah, San Diego UCLA, Hospital. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember you hadn't gotten there yet. And I, w- I think we kind of came at the same time. We, we entered the hospital at the same time. And it was when I first saw Zara in bed, wrapped up in bandages, tubes coming out of her. And mm-hmm. I remember sharing a bag of M&Ms with you. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's such a sweet memory. <laughs> oh, yeah. it was guys. so scary. That's I mean, yeah. I bet. I bet. You know, it's just like it is such a weird journey. And like for me, I, you know, I that's what led me to food. So I was lucky enough because I guess of the severity of my injuries to get some money, which also I want to address. Well, first you had two surgeries. That's true. I did have two terrible surgeries. And I remember at the time I was young and I had wanted to, I had the same desire as you did, Jeff, which was to share things with my friends. And I was like, Oh, I'm getting money and I want to give you some. And, and I never did. And Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry. And I just, I didn't know, in some ways what I was saying at the time or what I was promising or what I wanted to do versus what I should do. And if that Mm -hmm. was to happen now, I would have done it really differently. And I, if I wasn't so broke now, I would give you some money out of my wallet, (laughs) Uh, but no, (laughs) no, I'm just saying, I am sorry. I got, I did get money from the accident and I used it to open my restaurant and I'm sorry that that happened. And I just want to actually publicly. No. and And I'm so glad you did, you know, because I just think that, you know, it's important to bounce back strong. I mean, that that's that's life, right? Like life is all about how strong can you bounce back from getting knocked down? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you know, and, and totally. yeah. sing it, Jeffrey. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead. No, no. I'm oh. saying sing it. That's so powerful. <laughs> yeah. It's a real thing. It's yeah, a real yeah. thing. And Zara, you know, you know, it's it's very sweet of you to say that. But just know that there has not been any moment, you know, of uh, I, I can't remember any moments of my life that I have you know spent thinking to myself oh zara should have given me some money you know of course not you would have never thought that it wasn't about you it was about me it was about me going Mm -hmm. out of my way to mention it you would never ask me for it it was about me offering it and mentioning it Mm -hmm. and thinking that i wanted to include you in the thing that happened to me that was beneficial the same way you wanted to include me in the tour was totally my idea and then Mm -hmm. not following through on it It was something i always kind of really i would like to add that when we went to the lawyer i remember speaking about jeffrey and telling him about all his losses and what he had and how could he be helped i remember trying to yeah see what we could do it's so complicated in that very complicated and 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 honestly for me unfortunately like i think i was just so shell-shocked because i you know what if it was if it was me on someone else's tour i just think i would have been so much more proactive about getting more justice for myself right right But, but i think that i think that the because my name was you know on the on the the banner or the marquee every night i just i i just kind of turtled you know i just i didn't fight for myself the way that i should have you know there was there was bad information that i had been gotten i mean it just it just i just felt like there was a culmination of people around me at that particular time in my career that just it was just like bad bad advice bad advice misguidance misguide you know it, it just and it just all culminated into it just felt like this disaster that I didn't even really, you know, I just never imagined something like that. I mean, I yeah. knew, you know, I had my gut instincts about, you know, not wanting to drive that night or whatever. But I mean, it just so I 
you know, I definitely am very happy that that you went out and got what you deserved and that that big whiz went out and got what he deserved you know if i had it to do over again i don't even know like like sure i wish that i had been more proactive but i i don't know how i could have pieced myself back together to right but i remember a terrible thing happened what happened was is that we found out that there really wasn't sufficient coverage that the only way zara actually got money was through my auto insurance believe it or not my auto insurance because she was a driver on my auto insurance because that guy had a bad bus company or something i don't know what it was but right there wasn't money there yeah and that happens a lot when people have accidents we think oh there's an accident we're gonna zara had these surgeries and her hand was permanently damaged but i there was no money from that from that uh bus company Company. it's terrible it was a terrible situation altogether so, yeah. question. Here, Here's something mm-hmm. that I kind of was thinking through today earlier before we talked, and I want to know what you think about it. And, Bobby, I, yeah. I have a question for you pertaining to this, too, about PTSD and how we cope. Um, so the, part of the reason, aside from the fact that I think you have an interesting family story and I love hearing it, that I wanted to kind of start with that, is that really your, your depiction of your Saturday mornings with your family is mm. the definition of a happy place. I have oh. mine. You know, I yep. have mine. My happy place when I have to think of the quote unquote happy place is the beach, Robert Moses Beach in Long Island and walking up to it and seeing my mom get up from her chair and walk towards me and that moment and the waves and the chicken salad oh, and everything. But I beautiful and, and maybe you have others, but correct me if I'm wrong. That memory of you talking about Saturday morning breakfast with your family sounds like a happy place. Is that true? Man, that that is the happiest place. Seriously. It's yeah. just it's just. I mean, I will just cling cling to that. I mean, it just I'm just so thankful to have the, had that experience, you know, and that my mom is still alive today oh, yeah. and still makes those amazing oh, eggs. That's and incredible. Now it, and now it's turkey bacon. Okay. Now it's turkey okay. bacon. All right. So, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and, you know, because I, I do travel quite a bit, like, you know, when I am, you know, you know, we're in, based out of Rhode Island now. I actually I moved down here and I, uh, you know, actually started a real estate investment company. And, and basically now what I'm doing is uh, like, as I mentioned before, like my love language is like is, you know, build, building wealth with my friends. So, yeah. you know, basically I've you know, I invest in multifamily properties out here alongside my friends. And, you know, whether I'm doing like an equity partnership with with a with a friend of mine or they're just lending on a deal and I'm giving them like a robust interest rate. Like, you know, I've been able to do that. So that's been I'm so very heartwarming. Uh, I'm that's amazing. I'm so proud so of, proud you, of you. Yeah, that you do that. that's incredible. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You've always I'm talked buying... very much about that, though, about yeah. uh, the value of owning property. Um, that's right. Right. Always talked about. Well, I mean, after getting, you know, my ass kicked like so many other people did in the housing crisis, that was, you know, I, I was it was tough for me to be enthusiastic about it. But I definitely I definitely reeducated myself rigorously and like and jumped back in and just, you know, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to use my the power of my knowledge in this business to help my friends, uh, you know, because banks banks aren't looking out for us at all. They're Absolutely. giving us nothing. 100. So so but but I digress, you know, uh, I digress. Um you know, I think that, okay, no, repose the question just so I can my answer question, it very. My question really just actually is, so I'm like building up with like talking about how, you know, that, mo- that memory seems like you're a happy place. And then, so where I was yeah. going to go with it from there is kind of just asking how much did you access 
those memories. It's called the, a resource. Right. The, okay. So how inner much resource. How much do you use that inner resource of that smell of the fatless bacon and the cheese whiz and the eggs and the wrestling and the and your dad playing records? Like what what kind of thing did that specific memory or just memories like it? Warm memories of family and food and sharing and smell. Do they help you through hard times? Well, you specifically know, this hard time. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. To particularly this hard time. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't remember reflecting what what mattered a lot to me during that time right after the accident was that my mom came to Philadelphia where I was living at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was dating, uh, uh, you know, someone that was 10 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Very sweet, amazing young woman. But she just was not nurturing in the ways that someone coming home from a harrowing accident needed oh, right. um y y you know so it's just like yeah nobody's fault just that's like wasn't her that she didn't have the utility at that age i bet yeah at that age and 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 i was just so beat up and unable to really you know even the design of the house was designed for an able-bodied young person. You know, it's like when right. I was Philly, like row homes and it was like a three, uh, three stories. So it's just like, you know, you're just climbing a mountain anytime you want to get up to the bedroom, basically. Right. And I just, you know, I spent a lot of time on the first floor sitting on the couch and, you know, my mom came to Philadelphia and, oh. you know, she cooked for me and took care of me. What did she make? In those ways. <laughs> you know, you know, that's the thing. I don't re remember so much of what she made. It was just the fact that she was there. Yeah. Did you your know? mom cook food from Barbados from her country? Oh, now, now, now we're talking. Now, All let right. me tell Let's you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So, so there are other things that, you know, that my mom cooked that brought about really warm memories for me the most impactful is what we've already spoken about but you know at at, at, at christmas time during the during you know during the winter holiday season my mom will will used to make coconut bread which is from oh. you know from the from the caribbean from barbados uh or the west indies in general so it would be you know she would knead the dough and everything herself make it from scratch and then it would have like you know shaved coconut and it would have raisins in it oh yeah and it'd just be this really delicious bread that she made and i like i would pretty much flip out for, for that every year and just i remember the smell of her cooking it in the house and right. just i mean and you know Aww. uh i can't remember if i got to experience that because i mean i think zara our accident was december 6th of 2006 or december yeah. 2nd december 3rd my mother's birthday december 3rd okay yeah. right okay right in there yeah so so you know christmas wasn't too far off um, but, but yeah, you know, just, just, you just, I just remember the comfort of that. She also made this thing called rum cake where like, it's like this dark cake and, you know, uh, and oh, yeah. typically they, they have like, uh, the, the rum that's produced in Bar Barbados is called cockspur rum. Oh. And, you know, just, you soak the cake and the rum and like, it's just this dark cake and it has some fruit in it. I just remember yum. the texture and the smell. Ooh, like, so, you know, yeah. So this is really comforting things, but I think that. Rather than me necessarily channeling these memories, these particular memories during tough times or during that particular tough time, I think that it's just the fact that I had those experiences mm. that give me an overall makeup as a human being right. that allow me to, you know, to find a steady energy 
even uh-huh. in the nice. midst of chaos where I can find a way to cope. You know, it's like it's like, OK, if I can't emotionally cope with this, I'm going to talk with people about it. If I'm if I'm sick of talking, I'm going to sit and I'm going to really think. And, and a, a lot of time, you know, when I, when I have some quiet time to myself, my thoughts, my thought processes, processes can be very productive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how to find know, the equilibrium. Yes, absolutely. You know, and and I think lately for me, you know, with especially with a lot of stuff I'm doing professionally with real estate, it's this, you know, this constant self-education. So I have, you know, a place of if peace in terms of like listening to audiobooks or but I but I think that it all comes from audiobooks and podcasts, I should say. Oh, but yeah. it all really comes from that grounding of those experiences right. as a kid and you know, those, those Saturday morning experiences, those holiday experiences, or like when my when my cousin Jackie and my cousin Jennifer would come over from Barbados and stay with us, just like smelling them making roti, like because I didn't Ooh. get to eat roti regularly, you know, which oh, is, roti uh, is so good. It's so good, you so know, good. and just like, you know, smelling them making real authentic, like, so, so it's basically like, it's like the Caribbean form of a burrito. Ah, <laughs> okay. So, ah. so, so, so basically it's like you have, um, I couldn't tell you what all the ingredients are, but like for me, it was always, you know, my cousin Jackie would make cur- uh, curry chicken uh-huh. and, 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 you know, she just would make a delicious back, batch of curry chicken. And then the roti is basically like the shell that, that you're, it's like the doughy, the doughy shell that you're going to wrap all of the food in. So you're going to have like curry chicken and rice and probably some, so some, some, some peas or something like that peas and rice or whatever and oh, wrap sure. that up and then i want to say that the sh- the shell itself has a flavor i i don't know if it's seasoned with like cumin I- i'm not sure i can't like it i think that the, i would have to ask my mom i yeah. can't remember but it it's has just some the, kind of thing in it the bread part. allspice it, yeah it it does maybe yeah. allspice and because allspice ma- is a spice of the caribbean it's very good. There it's you go. Delicious. There you go. It's delicious. We'll, we'll investigate. But ask your mom and then let us know. And we'll. But yeah, oh, I really beautiful. like I really like that look at it because I feel the same way. You know, like I do have a happy place, but I don't necessarily think of it when I need to get through something. But it's, such a, it's a great way of looking at it. Just like having had really solid, like emotional experiences. I feel like there's hope. I mean, it gives us hope. It's like, well, right. life can be dark, but it, right. then it mm-hmm. actually, this also exists, right? Is that kind of how you feel? Jeff? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's like our foundation. It's this indelible part, part of us that again, is so much of a, of a part of us. We, you know, we're kind of able, we have the luxury of like looking past it or not even realizing that it's at work, you know, at, at times that, you know, at, at times of need, but it's definitely there, you know? Yeah, for sure. So a question that we ask basically everyone as we're nearing the end of an episode is if you could give yourself one piece of advice at the beginning of this process, right? When everything first happened, knowing kind of everything, you know, now, what would that be? <sighs> My thing is, huh, always pay extra special attention to detail, even if you have people around you nagging you and calling you things like anal, you know, like pay attention to the details, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, ask, ask the non-sexy questions about you know extra insurance coverage and 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 and, and, you know and um and don't and don't be too trusting of of people around you that simply put i had people around me at that time that viewed me as a commodity and not so much as a person so they were going to equip me with whatever i needed to go out and earn money and 
not so much what I would need to be my best self to be uh, to be uh, protected at the highest level in case mm. of any crisis, yeah. you know, and 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 you, you, you realize, I mean, nowadays, you know, my whole thing is I find good people and I keep them around me. You know, in my in my real estate business, you know, th there's no one that I work with that I wouldn't invite into my house to break bread with me. And it's so important to me. Uh, you know, you, you find good people, you keep them, you don't let go. You have a disagreement, you find a way to work it out. You don't say anything that's going to irreparably, irreparably damage uh, the relationship. You know, if you start to get to that point and things are getting heated, you take a, you take a break. You say, hey, let's talk about this some other time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I keep good people around me because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's like I consider myself a strong person. I consider myself a person with a good heart that wants to do good things, genuinely wants to do good things for people. But if you but you must also keep people around you that are well intentioned, uh, that can help protect your good, your good natured spirit, you mm -hmm. know, um, and, and also fuel you to be an even better version of yourself. Totally. And, 100%. Um, and yeah. And so I am, I, I keep my eyes very, very well peeled, uh, to, 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 to examine people's character, uh, if, if they're going to be around me or, or if they have the potential of being around me. And I very quickly nowadays weed out the people that, that shouldn't be in my circle. That's incredible. Good advice. It's incredible advice. And before we go, I just want to say thank you because I know that you have a complicated guilt and just feeling complicated feelings, which maybe includes guilt, as you mentioned before. Yeah. Around yeah. this. But I want to say thank you because even though the process was really arduous and complicated and confusing and, you know, it led me to open my restaurant, which also was complicated and confusing, but, right. and, but ama ultimately amazing, you know, um, mm -hmm. and gave me a whole new life in food. And so, mm -hmm. you know, from that is really a huge reason why we even started the show. And then through right. starting the show able to like, we're now able to reach so many people who are wrestling with all different kinds of food and grief issues and, and grief issues mostly and access, mm -hmm. you know, disarm it through talking about food, which is the common bond that we all have and being able to have these really open conversations. And I just want to say none of those things would have ever happened to me if not for that accident. And I'm not happy that we got in an accident by any means, but that is the silver lining for me in my own life. And so it, it, yep. it turned out to be this incredible thing. And I see the work you're doing now with Thievery Corporation and the real estate business you've built. And I feel like a lot of good came out of a really traumatic, horrifying situation. And you lived. The yeah. two of you lived. beautiful human beings lived. And everybody lived. lived. I yes. think it's worth mentioning. Everybody lived. Yes. Yeah, which is just remarkable when you look, you know, but when you look at the scene that from that night and what we were involved in and the fire breaking out underneath the sleeping area and all of the electronic doors not working, know. you know, uh, it, it, it really is a miracle. And this is also, you know, why there is the saying that God works in mysterious ways. And I'm not the most religious, you know, I, you know, yeah. I don't really practice any particular form of religion. I just I just do realize that there's a higher energy out there than me and I have a close relationship with that higher energy. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's these times where you just think like, oh yeah, this is this could be the end of my life. I could never I I could quite possibly never bounce back from this or this is just so tragic tragic this is just gonna ruin me. And you know, it, not only in that situation, well, it's tough for me, you know, I think that for you you have this more def clearly defined 
um, uh, turning point where you can say, hey, that actually was like the catalyst for some really positive things for, 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 for you know, right. in your situation, Zara. Sure. For me, for me, it was just this really curvy, windy road where I was then asked to put even more faith in the unknown right. as I just kind of like moved from place to place following my heart and music and everything. But but I do realize, you know, I've had more than one experience where when I thought I was my most down and out and that it could all be over, that that was actually the beginning of uh-huh. me realizing something that would fuel my passion and my spirit for years to come. And and I would want to say this just directly to everyone listening that is dealing with grief. It's like, you know, now now is only now. Okay, so you're dealing with things and they feel like they've all piled up on you. They are weighing down on you. You know, I even talked with a buddy of mine yesterday, a guy that, you know, a brilliant guy that I work with. He's a heating technician. He's a plumber, um, you know, takes care of all my buildings. If I have a furnace go out, if I have a, a leaky anything, mm-hmm. this guy is brilliant. He's passionate about his work. Talking to me the other day, telling me that sometimes he thinks about ending it all. Yeah. And and I said the same thing to him. I said, now is only now. You know, it's like if everything feels awful now, but if you can find a way to tap into anything within yourself that's going to get you to tomorrow and then repeating that process and getting to the next day and getting to the next day you're giving yourself the opportunity to turn things around and things will inevitably turn around and so much of so much of life is about your perspective on your situations you know there's people out there with perfectly fine lives who are pessimists who are making every day seem you know, every day seems terrible to them. You know, totally, it seems like right. a dead end to them. Totally. And then there are there are people out there who are born with nothing. You know, with two parents that don't love them or aren't around or, or, or you know, or, or getting beaten or abused and they make a decision. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to live my life like this anymore. I want something better for myself. I want something yeah. better for my kids when I become a parent. And, they, you know, there's just all types of scenarios. And my thing is just you just cannot give up. You know, you, you just have to, you know. Find a way to hold on. Find a way to, to, to change your perspective, whether it's listening to podcasts, audiobooks, surrounding yourself with different people, um, you know, take, t- betting on yourself in some way, you know, uh, taking a leap of faith. Uh, you know, I think we just we got to hang it in there because there are rewards for being resilient. There are rewards for, you know, making honest efforts to better yourself and for just hanging in there and having grit. Right. Totally. That is such a said. powerful, powerful message from such a wise, brilliant person. Mm-hmm. And you have always been a wonderful and beautiful friend and an inspiration to me. And I feel so blessed to have had even be it traumatic experiences, just intimate experiences with you. And you are a lovely, yep. deep, incredible person. And I know that we will be friends forever and ever, even if we go long periods of time without seeing each other. You're one of those people yep. that will always be so tightly wound, t- so tightly knitted into the fabric of who I am as a person. And I love wow, you. That, that, and that is the highest honor. And I love um, you too. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm very fully aware 
even more so now that I'm missing too much of your life. Me too. You know, so, 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 you know, at some point here, we got to, you know, we got to tighten this thing up a little bit. And, you know, I mean, New York is not far away from where I live. I have to find a way to get myself. Please do. Me too. Yeah, I want to be there. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll have Absolutely, a reunion. Bobby. I would be happy to come to Rhode Island too because <laughs> I love fresh seafood. I'd love to join you for a plate of scrub. <laughs> that, you know what? I... I'm known to consume massive and unreasonable amounts of scrod. So you know yes. what we're naming this episode, don't you? Scra- broiled the scrod. Scrod-isode. The scrodisode. <laughs> Scrodgate. Uh, Scrodgate. Can oh you quickly God. just? Can you actually quickly just tell our listeners where to find you, follow you, what you're working on? Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, you can find me on all forms of social media as Mr. Liff, M-R period L-I-F. But if you're going to specifically go to Instagram, I'm at the real Mr. Liff, M-R-L-I-F. And, um, you know, I think that where can you find me? Well, I, you know, you can find me there. Sure. I'm not one to spend a ton of time online uh, posting. Um, but when I do, I just try to make it count. Um, you know, nowadays it's just like, you know, I have, I have, well, I have a new album that's finished. That's going to come out on mellow music group this year. It's called oh. return of, yep. It's called return of Colossus. And it's, awesome. it signifies the fact that it's the 20 year anniversary of my debut EP, which was called enters the Colossus. I love enters the Colossus. It's one of my favorite, favorite oh, EPs. Thank you it's so much. short, but sweet. It's amazing. All thank right. Thank you so much. Awesome. This and, is so exciting. Oh, wait, did you have anything else? And Zara, yeah, I want to, and I will also just say that my real estate investment company is called the People's Trust Investment Group. It's an LLC based out of about based out of Rhode Island. I specialize in Providence, Pawtucket, and Central Falls, and really, you know, it's just something that I love doing with 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 my loved ones, with people that I'm I'm I have close friendships with, or that are actual family members, uh, partnering to. Uh, to purchase and develop real estate that will that will be around long after you know we're gone to to just you know make life more comfortable for us in, in the immediate future and also to leave something after we're gone. Totally, so, so smart. Uh, I I respect it so much. I'm really inspired by you. Actually, it's something that as I become a real adult, even though I'm already 36, that I would like to try to do more of myself. Wonderful. Well, well, you can pick my brain anytime, Zara. I okay. love talking real estate, and uh, you know, so I, I, you, you'll have to tell me when to stop talking because I have a lot to say about it. There you go. Love y'all. Thank love you, you so much. Bye. This episode is brought to you by New York Mutual Trading, the premier Japanese food, alcoholic beverage, and restaurant supply specialist. Mutual Trading is the Japanese food authority. True to the heart in upholding genuine Japanese food traditions and progressive in exploring new ways to provide innovative restaurant supplies and services. They import, export, distribute, and manufacture the top brands for retailer and food service customers nationwide. Learn more at nymtc.com. So that was a very special episode for me particularly all the episodes we do are are amazing obviously love every guest in such a different way but Jeff and I went through something so intense together and to kind of be able to process it you know we haven't talked about that accident in that kind of way since it happened and that was 13 years ago uh 14 years ago almost now uh how did it feel for you talking about that well I was literally shaking as he was describing the accident and you yeah. were describing it because it really tapped into old 
trauma memories that I haven't accessed since it happened. Yeah. So he joined us by phone and, uh, you know, so it's a little different than we weren't normally very focused visually on the guest. And I saw you kind of looking down and that for a minute, I have to admit, I was like, Oh, she can't even pay attention to this part. This is the craziest thing that happened in my life. And then I realized that you were, you were processing deeply, the remembering the trauma. Yeah. What happened, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was completely wrong as to what you're, what you were going through, but just so you know, a couple things we try to do, and I guess this little outro part is to bring some kind of connection with food and some kind of levity. And something that I really, really loved about the episode, aside from how much we talked about broiled scrod, which was hilarious. I don't even know what scrod. What is scrod? Is it like cod, but worse? How could it get worse than cod? I don't like cod very much. There's a lot of worms in it. But I loved when he was talking about the memory of his family making breakfast. And... um I love it because it really speaks to something that I truly believe in, which is that rich food memories that we have and uh, how food and the smell, when he was describing just remembering the smells. Right, they're part of our foundation. It's, it's part of our foundation and it can be anything. Yes. Honestly, for me, right. and I'm a chef and people always think chefs must have the fanciest taste. Probably one of my biggest food memories that can bring me back to any time is tomato soup, Campbell's tomato soup out of a can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... It's not about it being fancy. It's not even about it being delicious to anybody else. It, it really can just be the smell. It can be a memory and a smell and a flavor that, that takes you back to a time when all this other stuff is happening. That's you know, right. he's talking about these incredible cinematic kind yes. of m- mornings with his family, his dad bringing back records and his mom is wrestling. And it's so cool. <laughs> it was great. It was so great. And just like we've heard from other guests of ours that those simple, simple food memories can be connected with good memories but also they can be the strength getting through bad memories yeah so it's both yeah um i'm trying to think of so i went to go visit jeff in boston one time and i remember he took me to this like delicious sub sandwich shop that's one of my only boston food memories and i visited him so many times but that's one of the only well things. i would like to add one more thing that zara when you had that those two surgeries which was in san diego the thing that i remember most is that you and i we had a convertible and even though you're whole arm was in this full cast from fingertips to shoulder and it had to stick out of the convertible yeah, and it was that on we had. Percocet. Right. We just traveled around and ate and we, we had did. scallops. We had fried scallops. We did. And no scrod. <laughs> no. Not a fleck of scrod to be found. But eating during that difficult time was one of the ways that we brought balance. Yeah. As Jeff was talking about, we brought balance to a very um, difficult time. Yeah, it, that's really true. Um, and I remember him joining us at the house, at your house in Northport in Long Island after he came and visited and we shared a meal. I don't remember what it was, but I remember it was very sweet and we all sat yes. around and we all cuddled. He's yep. a cuddly friend. Yes, he is. We always used to cuddle together. Yes. You know, not, we never dated. It yes. wasn't like a sexual relationship at all, but like we just always snuggled because he's well, just a sweetie feel his pie. He's in, a warm in person. Interview. Yeah. Yeah, it was really great. So thanks for everybody for listening. This was a really special one. And it's interesting. A lot of times we talk to people about, you know, um, somebody passed away and then this happened and, th- and this was just so different. There wasn't someone that passed away. Thank goodness. Um, well, it was the, it was the loss of predictability. Right. And stability. And the, right. And then, and, and, and realizing, I'm sorry to cut you off, but then realizing so fully how 
death is so real. That is when I like, it changed everything for me. And you know, not necessarily for better or worse, but like I'm, I'm intense. I want everything to happen immediately. Right. And it's totally because of that. And sometimes that's good. I don't, I don't bullshit a lot. I don't play games. You know, when it comes to relationships, I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like, Oh, I'll wait a week to call. I'm like, no, I'll call you now because I could just die tomorrow. (laughs) You know what I mean? So and sometimes it works it was and a true near death experience yeah and you know we all held the trauma of it and thank you listeners for letting Zara and I and Jeff process a trauma that was very significant in our lives yeah it really was um, for everybody in a different way I'm, I can't imagine on your end being a mom and going through that and it was so weird. I was having this recovered memory, which some, I think I've talked about at some point before. But when you were talking about getting in the hospital, I remember I was so messed up, like, and on so many drugs. And I had been in this really traumatic, very physically taxing uh, accident. And I remember I got transferred to UCLA. And, like, I thought I was a car being worked on in an auto body shop. That's what the drug studio. Yeah. It was really weird. Anyway. Uh, okay guys. Well, thanks for tuning in and, uh, we love you. And I hope that this episode was as interesting for you to listen to as it was for us to kind of re-experience and process. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at Processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.